0: Who has your Bible with you this morning? Amen. Have some... Always have your word with you. I always have... Smith Wigglesworth, he always had his New Testament with him. And then he said he would always, you know... If someone could ever find him without his New Testament, he would, you know, take him to the task. But he always had that New Testament. Just something right there. Amen. But I want you to look over in 2 Timothy 1, 7. Lord, we thank you today for your word and thank you for, Lord, your quickening anointing this morning. Lord, quicken us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Thank you, Lord, for setting us ablaze. Lord, set our heart ablaze that we may burn for you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Second Timothy 1. Verse 6, now we uh, quoted this during the uh, testimony. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. See, fear is a spirit. So he says, God's not given us the spirit of fear. But what, what has God given us? He's given us power and of love and of a sound mind. Not a crazy mind, not a mixed up mind, but a, but a sound mind. I mean, sometimes you just have to say that over yourself. I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy when people in, you know, in high, of course in high school, I wasn't born again. But, um, you know, kids just, unless they, they are born again and walk in the light, they're just messed up. <laughs> right? All of us, if we, weren't, if we weren't born again, you can be an adult. If you're not born again, then, then your, your mind is going to be messed up. But, you know, what was the, one of the things people would say? They would say, me, or whatever, they would say their name, being of unsound mind, do bequeath this. You know, they're leaving their last will and testament. I would never say anything of the sort. I have a sound mind. Amen. Say that. I have a sound mind. Hallelujah. So what he says here, he says, I'm telling you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on my hand. So Paul had laid hands on Timothy and something was given to him through the laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is a doctrine of Christ that we see in the um, book of Hebrews chapter six. It's a ministry um, we see in the church, but many times we don't see it in... Churches all throughout. Why? Because we don't do that around here. Or we don't. We don't accept that. But Jesus laid hands on people. Laid hands on people for to uh, receive healing. We see laying hands on people to be filled with the Spirit. But as believers, we have to do what He says here, and we have to learn to stir ourselves up. Brother John Osteen said this. He said, "We need not so much in." inspiration as information and I believe that we need information more than just being inspired but on the other hand we need a lot of inspiration too who likes who likes um you know people say well you know I'm not into feelings you know I just brother you know I'm not that loud but you know I'll take all the good feelings I can have all the good feelings you know when you praise God and you you feel great and you just I'll take all the good feelings But we have to stir ourselves up. You have to wake up, and I'm just going to stir your pure pure mind by way of remembrance today. I'm going to stir you up today. You know, we need, the Bible talks about um, exhortation. The Bible talks about correction. A lot of times, correction is not in the mix in a lot of places, but correction does have its place. We need to be corrected according to the word, but we need a lot of exhortation. There's a lot of people that just need lots and lots of good exhortation. Some some encouraging from the word of God. Can you say amen? amen? You know, you just have to purpose in your heart when you get up that it's going to be a good day. Amen. You know, I asked a minister one time here in town. Now, I don't think he's here. Years ago, he left. But we, my wife and I met with him one time. And, and um, but then I saw him another time and I said, hey, um, how's it going? Well, I'm here. And I thought, boy, that's really encouraging. You can't even, you know, not even encourage yourself I and mean, you're a pastor of a church. But you have to wake up and say, "This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it." You have to stir up the gift that's on the inside. I want you to look over in 1st Timothy chapter 4. 1st Timothy, if you can go back to 1st Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 says this. Paul writing to Timothy says, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. You know, no doubt we've seen in life and we've seen in different professions. I don't care if you're talking about a sports star or, you know, basketball player, or whoever. You'll see people that have given themselves to their craft. I can think of... Um, Musicians that have given themselves to their instrument, have given themselves to doing what they do, and that have um, transcended even what most people have have ever done. You know, you think about even in sports, people that, um, you know, just think about Roger Bannister in 1954, he um, beat the four-minute mile. Before that, no one had ever done that. But now that's like a common thing. When someone does something and transcends what's uh, unnatural, it opens the door and paves the way for other people to do the same thing. And so that's what God's wanting us to be. So notice he says here, Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. If you don't give yourself to something in life, then your profiting is not going to appear. You'll just be an average run-of-the-mill person. God doesn't want us to be average. You know, there, there is an enemy called average. An enemy is called average. Oh, you know, it's just, it's fine. You know, we're just, you know what the word mediocre means? Halfway up the mountain. Hey, did you go to Mount Everest? Yeah, ever got halfway there? You know, you, no one gets any uh, accolades for going halfway up the mountain, do they? You know, we, we went halfway up the summit. And we saw the skeletons there and we just stayed right there. You know, he says, Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. So I want you to notice what Paul told Timothy. He says, Meditate upon the things that you've received, give yourself wholly to it. So what he's telling him is this just because something has been given in your life doesn't mean it's just going to pop to the top. You have a responsibility. To give yourself wholly to the things of God and what you've received. You have to guard, you know, in church today especially, you have to guard against being bored with the things of God. I am not bored with the things of God. I don't let myself. I don't let myself get, get down. I don't let myself get to a place where, you know, it's just case I don't let myself get to a place where it's just, you know, old hat. Don't let yourself get bored. You have to continually guard against complacency, especially in the day and hour we live. You know why? Especially as we see that stream going downstream. You know, any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to go upstream. And a lot of times it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Well, you know, I don't want to stand out. Well, you're standing out already. So you might as well just get the whole thing. (laughs) People, make, people will make fun of me. People will make fun of you. But you had to guard against that, that complacent. Well, you know, man, you know, I, I had a good run and I did pretty good and I've served the, the Lord. And, but no, it's not time to quit now. God doesn't want us to, to quit just like a, a um, you know, you ever just taken a candle, you blew it out and you just see that little puff of smoke. That, that's not supposed to be our life. It's supposed to go out in a blaze of glory. Can you say amen? amen? We're supposed to be like a shooting star, you know, that's just whoosh, like that. Not just something that's just, you know, you see one and it's just, there it goes. You never see it again. But our life is not just supposed to be like, Jesse DePantis made this analogy one time. He said, Lord, how do you see your people? He said, some people are like shooting stars. And he said, you know, like some some are like this, you know, just a, a little light, just a little bit. But then you have that, that shooting star. Just he said, what is that? He said, that's those that are baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. So I want to share this morning about having a fresh encounter with God. Having a fresh encounter with God. Being ignited with fresh fire. Everyone say ignited with fresh fire. You know, anyone who ever did anything for God had an encounter with God. You know that no one that was used of God, that we see in the Bible, none of those people were without an experience with God. Now, we know it's not all about experience, but if we've never had an experience with God, then there's something wrong as well. You know, it's like one pastor, he was about to be thrown out of his denomination because he had seen an angel. And, um, you know, they thought he was a heretic, basically. You know, who is this? Someone seen an angel. Finally, they they were going around the, the table, and they said, why don't we ask Brother So-and-so? He's been an elder in our midst for many years. And um, he said, well, he said, brethren, he said, I wasn't going to. And he spoke like King James, and he said, brethren, uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you asked me. He said, we're out of line here, even asking, you know, about dismissing this brother from our fellowship. He said, The problem is not that he's seen an angel. The problem is that why haven't more of us seen an angel? Why haven't more of us had an experience with God? Amen. (laughs) So every person had an encounter with the Holy Ghost at some point. And I'm not going into it, but you could look at Moses. Moses had this burning bush experience. I mean, even Paul the Apostle said this. And we'll look at this verse. He said, have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? There's a lot of people that claim to be an apostle, but they've never had an encounter with God. They've never had an experience with him. Paul said, have I not seen Christ Jesus our Lord? But I want you to look over in in Luke chapter 3. Now last week, we're kind of bouncing on the back of last week, because last week we talked about Pentecost. Pentecost. How many know that that just because uh, Pentecost Sunday was one Sunday doesn't mean we wait 52 weeks? (laughs) Every day is Pentecost, it should be for the believer. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. Now, this is John the Baptist. he says this. John answered, saying unto them, oh, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to loose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So what's he say? He said, there's one mightier than me. He said, I'm not him. I'm not the Christ. It was, it was awesome because here John, he knew who he wasn't. A lot of people need to know who they are not. I'm not him. I'm not the Christ. He said, but there's one coming mightier than me. He shall baptize you, not just in water, but he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and in fire. That's why we say Jesus is the baptizer. And we saw three or four people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak with other tongues for the first time last week. Amen. Amen. And so that should be a common occurrence in every church. It should be a common occurrence in this church that, that, that 100% of the people speak in other tongues. Why? Because that's for us today. You know, it's interesting when you read the Bible. Don't just read the Bible, but actually read the Bible. Every epistle, which were the letters to the, to the um, churches, the epistles were not the, the wives of the apostles. <laughs> the epistles are letters written to the church. And in these epistles, what do we see? We see tongue-talking people writing to other tongue-talking people. It's, it was never a debate. It's never supposed to be in a debate, you know, whether it's of God or not. Every person should be born again. And every person that's born again should be filled with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues. You don't have to. You can still go to heaven and not speak in other tongues. But what a blessing it is. What a blessing, what a benefit. And then every person that's baptized in the Holy Ghost, they should learn to grow up. Grow up in the things of God. And that's what God's plan is for every believer. But he says here, he said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So we we have to have this element in the church today. And and especially as we see, just like I said, my eyes were just open even more just just the the nonsense that, that's in this world right now. The nonsense that's in this world, you know, you know, I can guarantee Woody knows whether he's a man or a woman. <laughs> Except the headless woody, I don't think he knows. But just the, the, the way this world is in confusion. And you know what? If you don't want to know what the truth is in this life, guess what? Then you'll have a spirit of deception on you. Well, you know, I don't want this to be truth. And you know, the, the world is all about this. Well, this is your truth. This is my truth. There is no your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. And you'll perish if you don't have the truth. So why do I say that? I say this because, and I'm not getting into all the different things that that this world is, um, we'd be here, you know, to the millennium. But suffice it to say, the church, we have to have the presence of God. We have to have the word of God, and we have to have the fire of God. We have to stir up the gift that's on the inside of us. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So people have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they need that element of fire. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But, you know, many people, when you talk about these things, they think it's some kind of strange thing. And some people, even today, you can turn over to Numbers chapter 16, while we're speaking. Numbers chapter 16. But, you know, even in this day and hour, there are people that they, they... Coin this term that we see in the uh, Old Testament that's called strange fire. And they try to coin it for people that actually have fire. Strange fire is not people that have the Holy Ghost. It might be strange to them, but that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's talking about strange fire. Strange fire is when you pretend to have the anointing, but you don't have it. That's strange fire. Because there's, there's people in the world right now, and, I, and it's not about naming a name or anything like that. There's people that's, that's made millions off writing books on strange fire. But I, I fear for those people's lives. And I I'm not afraid. But, you know, the, the godly fear, you know, it's like these people are in, 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 on dangerous ground. Blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Let's read our text. Numbers chapter 16. Now this is the story when Moses is leading the people of God. Look in verse 1. Now Korah the son of Izhar the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. So what is happening here? Here you have people that are rising up against, they're, they're actually inciting a rebellion against the people of God. And these three men gather 250 people. Now, does this sound familiar? How many remember the Bible talks about Lucifer. He gathered one third of the angels, innumerable, to rise in a rebellion against God himself. And so here, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, they say, you know, hey, you take too much upon you. We have the Holy Ghost too. You know, you think you're just so holy? Hey, we have the Holy Ghost too. And, uh, Moses said he fell on his face. So that's the backdrop to this. And, and verse 5 says, He's speaking to Korah and all the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his. How many know it's time to start repenting right there? He says, Tomorrow the Lord's going to show who belongs to him, who's holy and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who hath chosen will he cause to come near." He says, this do, take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord in tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord does choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, here I pray you, you sons of Levi, seem it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And yet he hath brought you near to him, and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. And you seek ye the priesthood also? So what's he telling them? He says, God chose you to do a great work. Is that not enough? He said, now you want to be part of the priesthood? So what What does that mean? People, We see people that... Of course, in this place, in other places, people died because they got out of the wrong off, into the wrong office. So that's a lesson for us today. Stay where God's called you. Stay where God's called you. Don't try to do something else. Don't try to be who you're not. Just be who you are. And it, he hath brought you near to him, and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. For which cause both you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliam, in which said, we will not come up. It's a small thing that you brought us out of a land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except you make yourself together a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land that flows with milk and honey or give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. <laughs> what well, they saying? I'm not coming up. I don't care what you have to say, Moses. And Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not their offering. I've not taken a donkey from them. I haven't hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be you and all your company before the Lord Thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. Then skip down. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, verse 24, Speak unto the congregation saying, Get up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses, how many know it, it doesn't pay to be about be about rebellious people? It costs you. If you're around rebellion, that's going to get off on you. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. Now, these are people that were, had been there in the company. Notice he say, well, you know, they're just a good brother, but they, um, they're missing it. <laughs> you know, the Bible tells us many places in the New Testament, it says, and you see people acting a certain way, it says, distance yourself from them. Amen. I had, I had someone storm out of here. We had someone storm out of here a couple years ago because I, I, I had to make a, uh, we had to bring some correction. All I did was read one scripture and someone stormed out. Yeah. Well, the Bible, if the Bible hurts, then so be it. Yeah. I can't change the Bible. Right. So if you're around rebellious people, that's going to get off on you. He says, get away from these people. He called them wicked and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. You know, it's just like when when God said, okay, I want you to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. But what happened? They kept longing for it. In fact, Lot's wife, she had this longing for whatever reason it was in, in Sodom. You know what happened? The Bible says she became what she beheld. She became a pillar of salt. And so there's times where you have to get up and get out. You have to run. Just like Joseph, when he encountered Potiphar's wife, it wasn't time to to explain. It wasn't time to just say, you know what, I think there's a misunderstanding. He he got up and he ran with his coat in her hand. And, of course, she framed him for the whole thing. But there's times to run. I mean, even Kenny Rogers got it right. There's a time to fold them, you know. No one to walk away, no, no one to run. Some of you don't know who that is, but that's okay. <laughs> and notice what he says here. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. Rebellion not only will affect you, but it affects those around you. Others have to pay the price for rebellion. But, you know, that's why the Bible says those that that love the Lord will be blessed to the thousandth generation. So does the blessing of the Lord. It affects those around as well. Hallelujah. And Moses said, hereby, look in verse 28. Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die the common death of all men. So we know that there's going to be someone dying right now. Don't you think there'd be a second chance you could repent? (laughs) Lord, I was wrong here, you know. I'm sorry. I repent. Please forgive me. I believe that if they would have done that, it would have been changed just like that. It didn't have to happen. If these men die the common death of all men or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord, he has not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth, and swallow them up with all that pertain unto them, and they go down quickly into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. See, I want you to understand that when when people rebel against God, they they think that they had a problem with Moses, didn't they? But they had a problem with God. You remember what happened with Saul of Tarsus? Saul, uh, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my Christians? No, he said, why are you persecuting me? You start coming against the Lord, he takes it personally. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that pertained to Korah and their goods. They and all that are pertained to them went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed them up, closed up and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said lest the earth swallow us up also and there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense verse 40 to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger which is not of the seed of Aaron come near to offer incense before the Lord that he be not as Korah and as his company as the Lord said unto him by the hand of Moses so I I wanted to read that passage because sometimes people today when they don't understand what the Word says and they don't understand what the anointing is, do you know that anointing is just the the presence of God? It's the tangible, manifested presence of God. So that anointing is is precious to us. We have to have that anointing. And, And so when people don't understand that, they make fun of it. And they call it things like strange fire. But strange fire is not when you have the anointing. Strange fire is like these men here. When, you're, when, when you are pretending and you're trying to offer up something and you don't have the anointing. And you, you, you're acting like you do. That's what strange fire is. Hallelujah. Thank God that we don't have to have something that's a counterfeit. I can have the true anointing today. And the thing we need, we need the anointing in every area of our life. Anointing to be a good businessman. Anointing to be a good pastor, anointing to be a good husband, wife, anointing to, to be a good father or mother. And so the anointing is the spiritual equipment to get the job done. How many know now, like you're in your job, like when you show, when you show up for work, you know, the, the boss doesn't say, okay, did you bring your shovel today? Hey, did you bring the, um, the, the such and such? Did you bring the new hoses for the Hydrovac? You know, what do you know? You know that they're going to have all the equipment there. Why? Because you're working for them. Who goes into warfare at his own charge? So much the same in, in the, the spiritual realm, we know this. We know that the anointing is a spiritual equipment. God's not going to call you to do something and not give you the ability to do it. Now, don't just think I'm talking about being in ministry. I'm talking about you on the job. When you're, when you're working with people, when you're talking with people, when you say, God, help me to help this person, maybe even a counselor, maybe uh, someone that's just a friend, you depend upon the Holy Ghost to give you the wisdom. You, you depend upon him to give you the direction. That's what the anointing does. And the Bible tells us that every believer needs a fresh anointing. Fresh. You know, the the Bible talks about dead flies. You know, there's a scripture talking about dead flies in the apothecary. How many know that if you had this really nice perfume, dead flies are not a good thing for it? Well, it goes on to talk about having a little bit of folly, you know, for someone that's in reputation. But, you know, anything that stinks, anything that's dead, that's not, that shouldn't be in our life. We should be full of life. We should have... Something that's, that's stirring on the inside of us. Psalm 92.10 says this, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Say that. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Thank you, Lord, for fresh oil today. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Fresh, fresh oil. You know, Pastor Rodney tells the story of going to pray for somebody. He was in this church one time, and they said, "Can you can you lay hands on us and anoint us with oil?" He said, "Yeah." And so this was many many years ago. He said he took it and he said before he, they even right when they took the cap off, he said, "Oh man, it was so rancid." You know, just he said, "Go down to the." convenience store, hardware store, and get some three-in-one oil. Just give me something, you know, olive oil, whatever you got. Well, see, that's what happened. What happens with oil, it goes rancid. Who's ever had some, some kind of oil leaving in your house? Like a cooking oil, and you, you go to open it up. It's like, ooh, you know, you just, your eyes turn a couple of different colors. Well, the same thing spiritually can happen, too. If we don't have fresh oil, if we don't have a fresh move of God, You know, it doesn't matter what happened last year. Well, you know, God touched me back two years ago. Well, what about this year? What's my prayer life look like this week? What does my am I red hot? Am I like we said Wednesday? Am I fervent in spirit? Have I reached the boiling point? Do I make other people nervous around me? (laughs) My horn, you shall exalt like the horn of unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I want you to listen to what Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Now you say, why is this so important? Because I thank God for the word of God. I thank God that his word is life and health. And you know, his word is not dry. There is an anointing on his word. But you know, a lot of people, they just, they, they just want their ears tickled with something new. Just tell me a a quick word and then let me go out to Pizza Ranch. And they're not going to make it in the days ahead. They're not going to make it if they don't have the anointing. They're not going to make it if they don't learn how to tap in to the river that's on the inside of them. I'm talking about rivers of living water. You know, even your relationships with with your spouse, relationships with friends, you know, it's not just based on um, legality. You know, you don't just go, um, yeah, you're a good friend. Uh, you're a good friend of mine. And um, you, you don't just read this script when you're talking. Now, we do the soul learning script, but I'm talking about, you know, just the friendship. Yeah. What, what, are, what are you looking for? You're looking for fellowship. You're looking for camaraderie. You're looking for a, a sharing in common. That's what a believer is to do with the Lord. There, there's a sharing in common of something. There's the breaking of bread where, where your spirit is connected with him. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now I want you to understand, there the Lord commanded the blessing, he's talking about unity. That's not not just the physical place, but in unity, that's where God commands the blessing. But notice what he's he's saying, when when Aaron was anointed, Aaron was a priest, remember. And so when, when he was anointed, you know, it wasn't just like a little bit of, I'm going to take a little bit of anointing oil and put it on your head like this and make a cross on your head. You know, they they just like this. You know, I'm reminded of a story of someone who went to pray for somebody in the hospital. And, um, you know, they were going to anoint them with oil. And they said, you know, they're laying in their hospital bed. They're not going to, you know, get up or anything. They didn't just, you know, put a little they took a whole flask and just, you know, and just covered them, you know, covered the bed. You know what? They got up the hill, though. Got up and ran around. I'm sure they were okay with getting soaked for a little bit. Yeah. But see, that's what he's saying. He said, that anointing oil that came on Aaron as he was anointed for that office, as it came down him and went down. What is that a type of? It's a type of the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit come down upon us? Yeah, he's on the inside, but he comes up upon, upon, up on us. And so there should be you know, it shouldn't be just, well, brother, I have him on the inside, and I, I have a song in my heart, but, you know, I just don't make much noise. You know, the Bible says a cheerful countenance. talks about joy in having a cheerful countenance. It's going to show up on your face. If it doesn't, it, then notify your face. <laughs> Amen. Tell your friend, please notify my face if I look sad. <laughs> Amen. So it's a type of the anointing coming upon us. And so we have to have the anointing upon our lives on a daily basis. Now, I'm not saying you have to pray four hours in tongues before you go to work. But, you know, it, it's it's something that you're just always doing. I was listening to a great um, to a podcast the other day, and it was a great um, John Maxwell. You know, he's uh, big in um, leadership and one of the top people in leadership, and he's in his 70s. But, you know, one of the things he talked about was the law, what he called the law of preparation. And he says, I'm always preparing. I don't have to get ready. I'm always ready. So as a believer, I'm not, I don't have to get ready. I'm just always going to be ready. If you have to get ready, you, you ever got ready to go somewhere and you said, hey, are you ready? Almost. You know. Maybe a spouse or a kid. Almost. Well, if you're almost ready, that means you're not ready. But we should always be ready. But I want you to turn once again. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. As they say, it's better felt than telt many times. But why is this important? Because... You know, just having theory is not going to change people. But if you have a passion for God and you have a, a passion for souls and, and, and to touch people and, and the fire of God's in you, then you'll, you'll have 30 people that get born again. Acts chapter 2, and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. So when we talk about... The fire of God, what, what exactly is that? Because people think fire, you know, did I, I didn't see a fire. You know, Is that going to just hit me on the head? Am I going to be knocked over? The fire of God is the presence of God. And so that's why we need a fresh touch from God on a daily basis. We need to receive a fresh anointing and maintain the glow. Amen. One translation talks about that, maintaining the glow you know, maintaining the glow is, is that's part of your spiritual, uh, your spiritual health. Do you know that spiritual health is discernible just like physical health? Now you, you can tell if someone's not feeling good physically, can't you? You know, they're just not up to par and they're just kind of quiet, but you know, the same thing can happen spiritually. Spiritual health is discernible as well. You know, there was a, Heard a story about this one guy who was a missionary, and he came off, um, was coming all back off the mission field for for a period of months, and the pastor met him there. And after just greeting him, and just in the next first five minutes, he said, "What's wrong?" He asked the pastor, "What's wrong?" I said, "Nothing's wrong." He said, "You're not a, you're not a up to par spiritually." How well, I many know that could cause you to, like, what you know, get a little defensive, and, and so he's like, "No, I'm okay." So, anyway, in the process of the time, he said, Hey, you know, you asked me that. He said, Yeah, there's something wrong. He said, there was, he said I took an offense because there was a guy who came into our town and um, he took over and, um, and came into my town and started a church. He said, um, Well, how many is he running? He said, he said, How many are you running? He said, I think it was like 600. He said, well, How many is he running? He said, I'm, I'm sad to say, 700. So he was all about comparison. And worried about this guy. He said, brother, he said, we need to pray that God would send more people in in, in the other parts of the town. Yeah. Why? Because he he actually was running more than than he was since that guy got there. God had actually increased both of them. But what happened is he let that offense get into him, and you know what offense does? It, it stops you up, it plugs you up spiritually. Yeah. It, it, it it causes you to to um have something that just um stops the flow in your life. Thank you. That's what a defense does. So he said, hey, you're not, you're not up to par spiritually. So what he, what he did is he phoned that other pastor. He said, hey, can I meet with you? And so he met with him and, and, and talked to him and prayed with him, and uh, he got the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. So maintain the glow. Look over in Ephesians chapter 5. Part of having the glow in your life is having a song in your heart. That's why when we come here to worship, you, you should just draw an imaginary circle around you and the Lord. Don't, don't even think about who else is here. If you want to look one way, just look straight to the screen, look at the words. But I do. I just draw, draw an imaginary circle around yourself and say, Lord, whether anyone else gets anything or not, I'm, I'm here to receive from you. I'm here to press in. Amen. So part of having that glow is having a song in your heart. If you, and if you ever lose that song, you better get it back really quickly. Because many times that song turns into someone done me wrong song, you know. It turns into, you know, you don't know, no one knows the trouble I've seen. And it turns into, into agamonies. Yeah. You know, it's like they say, most country and western songs. If you, how many remember years ago they had this big thing about, um, about you know, subliminal messages in, in hard rock music? Yeah. Who remembers that? You know, and they say if you turn it backwards, you, you can hear Satan's voice and you hear all this stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I don't doubt it. But, you know, it's like they say country and western songs. You you play it backwards and you get your dog back, you get your pickup back, you get your wife back, and you get all your property back. Because that's what a lot of the songs are. You lost it all, you know. But Ephesians 5 tells us in verse 18, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's likening being filled with the Holy Ghost to being filled with wine. Speaking to yourselves. How many you know people that, that really drink? You know, they, what happens? They speak to themselves. They sing. Even if they can't sing, they, they, they sing a song. Speaking to yourselves. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should, we should be filled speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. Giving thanks. So this is this is what's gonna happen when I'm filled with the Spirit. This is what's gonna happen when I have fresh fire in my life. I'm gonna be giving thanks. Giving thanks always for all things, or I like what Colossians says, in all things. Unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, that's another that's another. Big thing with the spirit-filled life and having a fresh anointing. You're, you're submissive. Here's another way of saying it. You're easy to get along with. I noticed that the very moment that that I'm, um, if I'm any bit not like that, I know that I'm leaking. I know that I'm not full like I should be. When, when I can't get along with people, and if I get, start to argue or if I get fussy with people. You know why? Because I'm not full like I should be. So the fuller I get of God, see, it's like this. There's a vacuum that nature doesn't like vacuum, and life doesn't like a vacuum. If you're not full of something, you're going to be full of something else. There's nothing where it's just, no, there's, no, there's empty space. You know, it's just like your mind. Now, sometimes, you know, I know men and women are different. My wife will ask me sometimes, what are you thinking about? And I'll say nothing, and she, she doesn't understand that. Why? Because ladies have thoughts on the, on the um, runway. And, and, and there's pop-ups all the time. You know, It's like a pop-up screen, you know, this thought, this thought. And, and you know, if, if you say I'm not thinking about anything, they don't understand that. But, I mean, technically, you are always thinking something. There's just, there's not anything that's just, now sometimes you do wonder. With some people, you do wonder maybe there is nothing on the screen at this time. You know, maybe there is no one home at the moment. But for most people with a sound mind, there, there is some kind of fault that's going on. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> Where were we? So submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The more that you are full, the more that you have that anointing. See, the anointing doesn't make you weird. It just helps you to in every area of life. The anointing doesn't make you where you're like, you know, when you say the word spiritual, you know, some people think, oh, they're so spiritual. And they think they're just kind of floating up, you know, in in some kind of realm. No, the anointing just helps you to be a better person in every area of life. So what does fire do? What does fire do? It cleanses. Yes. Why do we need the fire of God? People say, is all that necessary? Well, it depends how far you want to go but number one fire purifies fire cleanses second corinthians 7 1 says this having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of god so since we have the word of god since we have these great promises and we allow his anointing to affect us. What are we going to do? It's going to cause a cleansing in our life. It's going to cause a separation. You know what the word sanctification means? It means to set apart. To sanctify means to set apart. So God sets us apart. Do you know that his word sets us apart? His, uh, his anointing sets. The fire sets you apart. I mean, think about Samson. Samson, the Bible says, and if, you just, if you've been reading your chapter every day, we just read this in the book of Judges. But Samson, he took 300 foxes. Now, who's ever went fox hunting by a show of hands? Anyone ever gone fox hunting? One, <laughs> two. I've never been fox hunting, and I've been deer hunting and other kinds of hunting. But um, mostly the, the unprofitable ones where you just sit in the tree and, and while your time away and uh, wait for the person that you went hunting with to come pick you up with their hunter orange on, hopefully. Um, but never, you know, have hunted a fox. But to me, it doesn't sound like an easy thing to do. And so, you know, and it's, it's a very detailed thing, you know, and, uh, to, to do all this and round up the dogs and all that. But, you know, you think about he, he captured 300 foxes. And what did he do? He tied them, two by, you know, two of them together, their tails together, and set them on fire. Now there was something in those foxes that by by just sheer fire and compulsion they had to go. You know, they didn't just say, Well, boy, I I sure have a have a fire on me. Boy, we better take off in the in the woods. There was something of necessity. I mean, people say all the time, they say, Well, you know, I'm I'm just a reserved individual. But, you know, if you go back to one of those um outlets over there and 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 take a screwdriver or, or you know, and it put 110 power on you. Who's ever been shocked at one time in your life? I mean, thankfully, I've never been shocked. I've stood on electric fences and things like that. And that, that, that hurts, you know. It's, especially when it's on a bare leg, you know, and you're just like, ow. You're just crying, you know, I was probably like 10, 12 years old and just like, it hurts bad. But, you know, even the, the, the quietest among us, when you get fired, there's a necessity you know, um, our pastor tells a story when he was growing up that that his mother said, Do not do that, you know, because he was wanting to put something in the in the outlet. And and theirs weren't just one ten, they were two twenties. And so he said that uh, he wanted to do it. And he said, Do not do it. <laughs> his mother said, Do not do that. And of course, what did he do? He was five years old and he said, I'm gonna do it. And, and um uh, and don't listen to this, okay. Uh so he put that put there, and he said, I got a revelation all of a sudden. And so he, he told his little brother, Basil, who was three years old, he said, do not do it. So he said, well, and what does a normal brother do? Well, he did it. I'm going to do it. So he did it. And, and all of a sudden, he had the revelation. Do not mess with the 220 outlet. Why? Because there's power there. But see, that, that that power is not to destroy us. That power is to purify us. So let me just give you this. You can have the fire now. You can have the fire at the judgment seat of Christ, or you can have hell fire. You can have fire now. Now, who thinks with those three, you would say, I want fire now. So I can have fire now. I can have fire at the judgment seat, which we, we're still, because the Bible says, that all of our works are going to be on display, and the fire of God is going to hit it, and what's going to happen? Either it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, precious gold, you know, precious stones, silver. Or you can have hellfire. And so that's why the Bible tells us to judge ourselves. So what is the choice that we have now? We have to allow the Lord to do a work in our life on a daily basis. Lord, do a work on the inside. It has to be your prayer. God, do a work on the inside of me. I don't care if I look unrecognizable. I don't care if people, when you get through with me if people don't even know who I am. Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. Do a work on the inside of me. Who would have that as their prayer today that you would say, Lord, do a work on the inside of me. Lord, let me not be the same. Hallelujah. We used to sing this song years ago. Um, One of the, like the chorus um, said, um, you are the potter, I am the clay. Come mold and make me. This is what I pray. Change my heart, oh God. And see, that's where the heart, that's where the, the change actually occurs is in the heart. You know, you can come to church and have a fat head, but what God wants is a fat heart. What does that mean? That means a heart that's inclined to him. That means a heart that's, that's attuned to him. The Jer- Jeremiah 2, verse 13 says this For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So we know that a cistern is a reservoir. Who's ever seen a reservoir? Or even like those, like the the liners, you know, that you see with you see on the oil site, you have the big liners and stuff. Just think of something like that. That's just a holding tank. It's a reservoir. God says this, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, who is the fountain of living waters. See, he's the fountain. He's the fountain. And what they've done is they they've made these broken cisterns that can hold no water. So what God wants to do, maybe you came into this place today and you say, you know, I feel like a broken cistern. There's been times where we felt like a broken cistern. We felt like a cracked pot. We felt like something that was broken. But what God does is He molds us, He makes us, and He puts us back together. And when He puts us back together, then He fills us. Um. The Bible tells us over in Matthew chapter 12, how many remember the Bible says when, a, when an evil spirit goes out of a man? You know there's still evil spirits today? Yeah. Even more uh, rampant than, than ever before, I believe. But you know, <clears throat> the Bible says when, when the evil spirit goes out of a man, then he, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And he can't find a place. That's why demons, they, they're they disembodied spirits. They always are looking for a home. That's why if they can't find a person, they'll go look for an animal. And that's what happened in Jesus' day when he cast the spirits out and they went into the swine. It was the first time we see deviled ham in the Bible. And so um, what happened is these spirits, though, they go looking for rest, seeking none. They say, I'm going to go back to the house where I came from. And they went back to the house, talking about that body, which is not truly their house, lying devil. He said, I'm gonna go back to my house whence I came. And he went back and found it swept and clean, but it was empty. And what happened is he did this. He brought seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And the worst state of that man was the last state of that man was worse than the first. So, what happens when you get free? What happens when you get delivered? You get free and you get clean, but then you have to get filled up. What do you fill up? The Word of God. You fill the Word. You, you renew your mind with the Word. You, you get filled. I mean, you just saturate yourself, just like a sponge. You just, somebody bumps into you and they're like, oh, sorry, man. And, and what comes out? The Word comes out. You know, the water comes out. The, the water of the Word comes out. That water, and that water cleanses you. But then you also, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get filled. And a a lot of people, a lot of people, I'll just be honest, a lot of people just, they they have enough fellowship with God not to backslide. But I'm not looking to just, I'm not looking to just stand on the fence. Who's ever, who's ever like crossed the fence and stood on the fence? Have you ever fallen? It's not good, is it? You straddle the fence. What's going to happen? You're going to be like, yeah, like this. And it hurts really bad, too. But you get filled up. And you just say, God, Lord, I just thank you today. Lord, for a fresh anointing. You know, even, you just have to work out your own salvation with God. You work out your own salvation with what works with you. Maybe in the morning time, you just say, you just pray for five minutes and say, Lord, I thank you right now for a fresh anointing upon my life today. I thank you, Lord, for, for clothing me right now with, with power. I thank you that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And what are you doing? You're stirring up that gift. Oh, you feel it, you feel it just like, oh, some rose. But again, you, know, you, just, you feel that thing just getting primed up. And you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And you just start, you, you start talking to yourself. You begin to prophesy to yourself. You begin to stir up the gift of God. Amen. That's how you get full. The same way that you, 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 you get full is the same way you stay full by speaking and by stirring up. And then you get in a good church service and you show up and then you, you encourage others and you just stir it up and you stir it up and you let it flow. You let the river run. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the river of God today. Thank you for the anointing. Lord, it's your anointing that makes the difference in our life. We thank you, Lord, for the river of God that flows through this place. Not because the church is called the river, but because we are a group of people that assemble in your name. And your word says, there is a river, the streams whereof make glad, the city of our God. Thank you, Lord, for the river to this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place today and you say, "I have never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior," even if you've been speaking this morning, but I want to receive Him, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, then I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. If you're in this place and you say, "I once walked with the Lord." But I, but I left, and I went into another place, and I, I'm not serving God like I should. But today I want to receive. I want to come back to that place. Then I want to pray with you and pray for you. Hallelujah. Or thirdly, you say, I once, I love Jesus. I, I, I want to serve him with all my heart, but the devil always lies to me and says that I'm not born again. But I just want to make sure if that's you on any three of those with no one looking around just slip your hand up and say pray for me Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Hallelujah I want to do just like I said if you if you raise your hand on any of those then I want to pray with you just come up forward we want to pray with you and for you Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There may be others. If you didn't raise your hand, but you still want to be included in this prayer, then just come up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, we all have to recognize the spiritual temperature of our own heart. And there's only one temperature that we need, and it's hot. Not lukewarm, not cold. You know, some people like cold coffee, but most people don't like any lukewarm. Why? Because you can't enjoy either one. You either want hot or you want cold. So we, we have to on a daily basis and, and look, we don't go by feelings. Thank God. You know, there's times I don't feel saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Honestly, there's, there's times where you don't feel like, you know, you have just scaled the highest mountain. But thank God that in those times you know what the Word says. But then you just stir up the gift. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And don't go yet, because we're not quite done when we finish. Thank you, Lord. So you know you've you've not come to to man; you've come to God. And don't you just make this, say this out from your heart. And if you're you're there and you want to make this same confession, maybe you didn't come up, but you want to make this. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said, if I confess, Jesus as my Savior I would be saved. So Lord I confess you Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Let me never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, before we go, just raise your hands. Just lift your hands. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now for fresh fire, for fresh anointing. Now, in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. Fresh, 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 fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh anointing, fresh, 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 fresh anointing, fresh anointing. fresh, 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 fresh anointing, a fresh anointing.